Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in, welcome in. It is Monday, April 27th, and this is Winning Cures Everything. I'm Gary. I'm Chris. And we got a lot to hit on today. Obviously, tons of NFL stuff to discuss um, you know what we didn't even think about now that now that we're live, I'd like to go on and discuss it. Um, we didn't, we don't have anything scheduled to talk about Jameis Winston or Trent Williams being uh, being traded, or not traded. Jameis Winston obviously didn't get traded, but Trent did. Um, I don't know. Should we hit on those right now? Yeah. Let Let's go ahead and talk about that. Let's go ahead and discuss Jameis. Uh, James. <laughs> you know, before we do that. Thank you for watching the show. If you want to jump in the chat, of course, it is on the screen. You can do that as well from any of the locations that you're watching from. Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, uh, YouTube, Twitch, whatever it is. Jump in. Leave a chat. Leave all that kind of stuff. I uh, I cannot believe I forgot to discuss that. It all all this stuff happened this weekend. There was so much news that uh, that obviously there's things that, that you want to uh, to bring up on the show. So... Let's first off talk about Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston signs with the New Orleans Saints. He had other offers on the board. I I wasn't sure what to think of this initially. But coming out after, you know, a day or so of thinking about it, I think this is a genius move by him and his his agent. Uh he it, it obviously wasn't all about the money right now. He wanted to be in a good position to learn under a really good quarterbacks coach to get better at his, uh, at his position. I, I think this was a smart move, not only by the Saints, because obviously you know that there's talent there, but also by Winston and his agent. Uh, do you disagree with either one of those? I don't disagree with this is his only path to being able to stay in the league. Okay, I think he realized... I don't think this was a decision he made. Okay. Okay. I think this was a decision made for him. Now I know that his agent floated out there that they had more money offered by other teams, but but we don't have any names on those other teams and the NFL kind of leaks like a sieve. True. So I, I, I think this was his only route to success, which was taking a backup role, 
And yeah, I would rather go play for an offensive minded coach that might be able to help me. My biggest problem with that is Dirk Cotter's a pretty decent offensive minded coach and has ran a pretty good offense for a long time. And Bruce Arians is second to nobody in the NFL. And those guys couldn't fix him. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, it, it's not like he worked under Bill Belichick or, you know, one of these defense, you know, Ron Rivera, a defensive minded guy that doesn't give a crap about the offense usually and just hires other people to handle those things. He's only had offensive minded coaches, and all of the quarterbacks that have ever worked under those guys have been pretty good. So, yeah, they, they typically do it. You've got a very valid point there. That, that's uh, my only point. It's not improve. like Sean Payton can fix them. Yeah. I, I don't know that. I think this will be the first time that he has actually had to sit behind somebody and and get a chance to to learn a locker room, learn all that kind of stuff. I mean, as soon as he got to Florida State, he was the guy. As soon as he got to Tampa Bay, he was the guy. That might be the most important thing is is he's going to a place where you're not the leader. Yeah. See, one of the things that we we criticized, um, you know, uh, oh golly, the, the quarterback that went to from Oregon that went to, to the Chargers, uh, uh, Justin Herbert. Jesus Christ, I've been looking at these names all weekend. Now, now I'm it. <laughs> Herbert, yeah. One of the things we we criticized Herbert for was not being a great leader. There's a lot more NFL locker rooms where the quarterback's not a leader than you think. I think leadership in the NFL is hard to fake. Yeah, and and and. I think the biggest mistake Tampa did was is bring him in as a rookie and say, you're now the leader of this locker room. He he had no business being the leader of that locker room. Yeah. And you're right. That might be the most valuable thing for him is you're not a leader. You're going to sit down here and shut up. You're going to learn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, I, I do. I like this position because like you said, he's not the leader here. He gets to learn under a better quarterback. I don't know that he's ever been in a place that had a better quarterback than him. Um, so, that, no. I, I think that would help out. So, But, we'll, I mean, obviously, well, we'll I, see. I, oh, uh, woo, woo. Uh, last year, he, he was at a place with a better quarterback than him. And and the year before that, he was at a place with a better quarterback than him. They just didn't trust that guy to give him the ball. Uh, okay, so, uh, yeah, he had Fitzpatrick two years ago. Um, All right, the two years, I'm oh, sorry, not last year. I don't know who the backup was last year. Yeah, nobody knows. Because it would have been the, the, the two years under Fitzpatrick was a great opportunity, but that was that's Tampa Bay leadership, um, and 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 general manager forcing this kid on on the organization and saying he's got to start right now. This guy's going to be a star and not letting him grow. Yeah, um, but he did have a better quarterback in the room that's better than him. Yeah, that's okay. That's that's a. I mean, maybe I don't well. Golly, that's that's so much thinking, right? It's just an organizational thing. One organization tried to force him on the team before he was ready, and the other organization is going to say, "No, you're go sit here and hold a clipboard." Yeah, and we and hope that you never start a down this year ever or the next year because that uh, Drew Brees has a two-year well, deal. So that all right, Drew Brees' two-year deal is gone because he's got a bigger deal with NBC starting next year. Is it is it bigger? Is it actually? I'm, Oh yeah, I, th- I think he's going to make more money with NBC than he will. With I mean, you with. might be right. You might. I be might right. be wrong on that. I don't know that the details are out, but I I think big TV guys are getting man, maybe not his first deal, but he's he's going to be making some cash. So we know yeah. that much. So anyway, I I think he's a one year deal. I think he is gone. There's no NBC wouldn't have signed him 
if he was going to be two to three years away from coming to them. Yeah, it's, I, I could see that. One year, and, and that's, again, smart play, I think, by Winston. Okay, there's nowhere that you are going to be the starter this season. Like, unless you're waiting for somebody to get hurt or somebody to really mess up, right? Kind of like Mariota in Tennessee last year when Tannehill was there. Like, you're you're going and you're hoping. Um, but with this, Michael jumps in on Twitch. He said, happy Monday, fellas. Hope you had a good weekend. It was a fantastic weekend. We had sports this weekend. It was good. Um, I, I think this is a smart play because you have a year to learn under somebody better than you with no real responsibility other than the fact that, you know, Breeze missed like five games last year and it got Teddy Bridgewater's starting job this year. Like, something like that could happen again, possibly. Yeah, I mean, that Breeze was the is, first time Breeze has missed a game in a long time, and it was yeah. a fluke thumb injury. But Agreed, but it, it's he, he's still... He has not been an injury-prone guy. Now he's he is still older. the other side of, of 40, so... Correct. No, he is older. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think the best thing for the organization is bringing him in. They'll get to see him for an entire year of practice, and then he never touches the field. That, that's the best thing that could happen to that organization. And and then here's the red flag. If Drew walks away next year and the Saints say, we're good, we'll pass, I think he's done in the league. I don't think any 31 other teams can touch him because they just saw him for an entire season. The, 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 the problem with going to a place like New Orleans is if next year they pass on you, you're, I think that's the nail in your coffin. Yeah. But if he were to have gone somewhere else to where maybe possibly he could have competed for a job really cheaply, then then he can at least stay in limbo for a couple of years. That's a that's a valid point. That's a valid point. All right. The other topic, the the big move over the weekend, Trent Williams um, moves from the Redskins over to the 49ers. Uh, this is a deal you would do a hundred times out of a hundred. It was a Third-round pick for next year and this year's fifth-round pick for the 49ers. And you get basically a Pro Bowl, uh, Pro Bowl quality offensive lineman. Uh, now, he hasn't played in a year he, and a half. Yeah, but years. he hasn't I mean, played because he hates that organization. Yeah, he no, no, no. But and that's what I'm saying. I think this guy's a steal oh, yeah. for a third and a fifth. That's just a st- They stole him. Now, they're going to have to pay him. The downside is is his rookie deal is done, yeah. and they're going to have to come out the nose for him. But I think they know what they're getting. Kyle Shanahan's the one that drafted this guy to begin with while he was at Washington. Yep. Um, he was he was the offensive coordinator there. He's the guy that pulled the trigger on, on taking him. Um, and, and what this shows you is the mess Ron Rivera has to clean up at Washington is so bad. That front office, Bruce Allen was offered multiple times a first, yeah. just one first. They look like buffoons. This kid, and he kept saying, "Nope, nope, not dealing him. Nope." He just dug his heels in, and says he's going to play for us or he's going to play for nobody, and then you dump him for virtually nothing. Yeah, Ron Rivera was lucky to get a third round pick thrown in there, and and at least now it's one of those things where the weight can be lifted off. I like Ron. I think he is a smart football guy. If he can find a way to win in Washington, it'll be a miracle. This guy going to to play for Kyle Shanahan again, I think he's going to walk in and be true to his form. He's going to go somewhere where he's loved and want it. Uh, 
And and I think he's going to be a wrecking ball, and the 49ers just got so much better. Yeah, it on the offensive line, it's not like they were hurting either. No, like it, no that's, this, that's this is crazy. a rich get richer kind of situation. Uh, so frustrating. So frustrating. Um, let's talk about this for just a second here. I don't want to spend too long on it. Uh, Matt Miller, NFL writer for the Bleacher Report. On Twitter, on all these different social media platforms, and in the Bleacher Report uh, uh, messages or whatever on the article, he is being called a racist for having the nerve to rank North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance over Justin Fields in next year's mock draft. Now, obviously, if you don't know anything about what's going on, if you hadn't really paid attention to who Trey Lance is, you would think, okay, he plays for North Dakota State. That's where Carson Wentz went. Okay, probably a white kid, right? It's North Dakota. It's North so Dakota, yeah. We're assuming it's a know, white kid. A lot That's of, what a you lot would of think. white folks on that team, yeah. Trey Lance is black. So you can't be racist for ranking one black player over another. Uh, now, if you want to argue with his rankings, that's one thing. That's but to call right. him racist no. is absurd. Attacking um, ideas is an absolutely must. It's a thing we have to be yes. more comfortable doing than we are in our country. We like to call names when somebody disagrees with us, and we like to, to throw out arguments like this when they're not valid because we don't have an argument. Yeah. Attacking ideas, I am very much pro-attacking ideas. He's got a Panay Sewell offensive tackle from Oregon going number one to the Bengals next year. He's got Jamar Chase, wide receiver from LSU, going number two to the Skins. Number three, the Jaguars taking Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback out of Clemson. Number four, Trey Lance from North Dakota State going to the Carolina Panthers. And we've got uh, number five, the Miami Dolphins taking wide receiver Jalen Waddell. He's got seven Alabama players in the first round of next year's draft. That's a little absurd, but either way. Uh, McKinnon jumps in on Facebook. He said, boys, I'm back. Uh, let's see, Michael said, people literally have nothing better to do. Get a damn life. Let him rank and bash him for not knowing anything when he's wrong. It, it's way him. early. Like, That's it, fine. But at least Google the kid that he ranked over them before you start calling him racist yes. to see okay, now I've got to come up with a different name to call him. Yeah. I'm okay with you calling him names. Yeah, you can call I, him an idiot if you want to. That's right. But, I, you know, but but you you can't fabricate something out of nowhere. And the biggest problem is, is we've talked about this a million times on our show. It happens all the time. The people doing that are looking to call somebody a racist, and they and they actually demean the value of calling somebody a racist. So when – a true racist is is doing something racist and you call them out too, it it makes it to where everyone just thinks, oh, well, you just paint with a broad brush. Everyone's a racist to you. So your value has diminished completely. Yeah. No, you're right. You're 100% right. Um, from there, I want to move into the two topics that we really wanted to discuss today. The first one... Now, I didn't get to watch episode four last night, but I do want to talk about episode three of The Last Dance. Now, this was the Dennis Rodman episode. I was very excited to watch this. But before we get into the actual episode, you know, I got online today. I'm looking through Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. 
and you see uh, Michael jumps in black, white, brown. Who gives a crap? It's football. Just like uh, just like people that criticize black quarterbacks are racist. Yeah, it's, I, I got called that well, last and, year. And, for, and that's yeah. and that's all done by the way. Oh yeah, like <laughs> like <laughs> nobody nobody believes black black guys can't play quarterback anymore. That was something that was up to maybe the early nineties. But once we have, or, the, or even into the two thousands, because people thought I, it about I Michael know, Vick. Man, I think once we got into the two thousands, we had enough. We had enough black quarterbacks that were, they weren't dominating the way they are now. To where no, but they were successful. All of the top quarterbacks are there, but there was always at least one in the mix in the conversation of being the best quarterback in the league. Yeah, no, you're right. That's been that's been twenty years. At some point in time, people who are still saying that nobody's actually saying that anymore. But it's the people that want to hate on racists, which it's okay, but you got to make better arguments. You're making an argument that's 20 years old. Yeah. Nobody who watches football today still believes that black guys can't play quarterback. Agreed. That's just, that's just not true. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so back to Dennis Rodman. Bill Simmons jumped on Twitter, and he was doing the, the promo post for his podcast that came out, him and Ryan Rosillo, and he said... In that tweet, let me actually read the tweet here. Uh, he said, "Why do we, or why have we pretended for the last twenty-five years that Dennis Rodman was actually interesting?" And I went and listened to the first, you know, ten minutes or so of his podcast. Now, hold on, this isn't Bill's take. This is Ryan Rosillo's take. Right. Bill is advertising the conversation that they're right, having. Right. Yes, Bill yes, yes. agrees with him mostly. But Ryan has been on this perch for a while. This is something that Ryan kind of beats the the drum with and, and Bill agreed with, but has never said before. I do not agree with this take whatsoever. I think Dennis Rodman as a person is one of the most interesting individuals that you could deep dive into. I think they could have done a, a six-hour documentary on Dennis Rodman that would not have been as big because nothing is as big as Michael Jordan. But I think a lot of people would have been interested in this because he is interesting. His his unique personality is so out there, and there's so many different dimensions to who he is as a person and as a basketball player. Um, I think he is completely fascinating. Like, am am I wrong their for argument, this? So if you got you have to listen to their to our arguments to, before you can just judge it because they're not saying he's not interesting. The biggest problem is is everybody for twenty something years, thirty something years, has been trying to figure Robin out, and he's available. He's at, he's accessible to the media, but when people ask him about why he does what he does, it's another. He just gives one blanket answer that is Bill Belichick bland, which is people just don't understand me. Yeah. And that's it. And that doesn't, that doesn't, that's what Ryan and them are saying is we're watching you do these insane things, but kind of what makes insane people insane or interesting is, is how they are thinking. And if they won't ever let you in on how they got where they got and why they are the way they are, then, then that's not interesting because you're just seeing something and it almost looks fiction to you. It almost looks not real because when you speak to that person, which every media person for the last 20 years has had access to, you you uh, you don't get any answers. And, and yeah, that's, the most that's answers the you got was on like MTV and whatnot back in the 90s when it was 
you know, I am this way because it makes me feel free. It makes me feel good about myself. And and it wasn't a lot of super deep dive answers, but I do wish that somebody, if anybody was able to, actually dig in with him and figure out the, the way he ticks. You but know? I'm going to tell you, we're never we're never going to get that. We haven't gotten it for twenty something years. We're not going to get it now. And and I, my thing on on Rodman is, I, I'm trying to find the right way to say this that I want to say. It. It's going to come across bad. I don't mean to. I I think there's obvious mental illness with Rodman. Okay, I think there's something. I think there's something wrong with him. Now. That doesn't mean that every person that is weird has something wrong with them, okay? But he's obviously not comfortable in his own skin. He's somebody who's obviously not comfortable being himself, and he's always trying to figure out who he is. And he tried to do that through relationships. He tried to do that through acting out and doing other things. And these are all normal behaviors. They're normal behaviors for people who are really struggling with who they are. Maybe what's making him interesting is is the fact that something's wrong with him and nobody knows what's wrong with him. We don't have the answer, and Robin doesn't know it. There's a part of me that has never felt comfortable enjoying watching that because okay. I think I think I'm watching somebody who's really struggling to find themselves, and I shouldn't be getting entertainment from that. I I find it a little bit disturbing. Not necessarily. I can understand where you're doing, coming from. Yeah. But how he's acting, you know, he's always struggled with his gender, his role in sexuality, all of these things with his relationships. And all of these people he's been involved with in relationships have all been famous people. I actually think that's some of the things that probably has hurt him most is trying to figure those things out about yourself is hard enough. Try and he spoke to it last night in the in the thing, which is I'd play basketball for free, but I gotta get paid to be a public figure. It's trying to figure out who I am and struggle with all these things internally, but it's not internal. Everybody's out here watching me, and then he's dating Carmen Electra, he's dating Madonna, he's got he's got high profile partners around him, and that just exacerbates the the media attention. Um and it's kind of maybe attention's his biggest addiction. You oh, know? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I'm not trying to figure the guy out. I kind of grew up a little bit feeling sorry for him. Well, it's, there was uh, an interesting, and it, I, was it in the documentary last night? It in uh, it may have been in episode four. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, but I remember a story about, you know, you look at him and you think all these different things about how crazy he is and how he doesn't give a crap about what anybody says and, He's just going to do his own thing. And yet there was a story from, like, I think it was the 1992 All-Star game, and he made the All-Star team, and when he was announced to the crowd, they all booed him. And he looked over to one of the reporters and had tears in his eyes and said, like, I don't understand why everybody hates me. Yeah, Like, he just doesn't no, understand. This, this, is, this is absolutely a 90% of everybody in the world who says they don't care what people think of them. It's just wrong. We all do. I, I absolutely care what people think of me. And and, and I, I don't think he's any different. He's just human. Yeah. And he's that's also the mark of somebody struggling to figure himself out. He doesn't see what he's doing as abnormal or different. It was I don't know. It, the, I, I always found it sad more than funny or entertaining or likable. I, I just found it sad. I 
Now, I will agree with you that it is sad. I will disagree and say it is, like, it was incredibly entertaining last night. Like, I thought it was insanely interesting. I, everything about that episode was great. And I can't wait to watch episode four tonight. You know, it's it's an hour long, so obviously we've got the boy. You know, it takes us a while to actually get settled down to where we can actually sit and watch it. Uh, and then I still have to get up and be at work and all that kind of mess in the mornings. But, uh, but yeah, I can't wait to watch episode four because episode three, like some of the stuff that, that went on, like in a social media era, it is just unbelievable to think about how crazy things would have been now as but opposed to back then. Because of that. Right. Like it's, it's, like it's not possible for those things to happen today because of that. Back then, you had a head coach and a star of a team, a leader on a team that could come together, and basically he says he wants a vacation, and the head coach has the ability to give it to him or not. Yeah. Like today, an owner, a general manager, 20 other people are going to have to sign off on this, and every media member in the world is going to know about it. Oh, yeah, because somebody's going to talk about it, and it'll become this gigantic deal. It's just not possible to do no, it nowadays. No, it wouldn't have, can't happen today. And it's it's crazy to think about because, you know, back then taking a taking a 48-hour vacation, you know, to go to Vegas or whatever, you know, we we would look poorly on that, you know, thinking that they're leaving the team. But if you look at this, uh, what what do they call it? The the rest time where you know Kawhi like he missed eighteen to twenty games last year in the regular season. Like players don't care about the regular season anymore. But back then, a lot of them did. Like it was important, and especially to some of those guys. Like there were, there's, I think you could probably count it on two fingers. I think it's. Jordan and Kobe that cared about every single game. And yeah. I don't know that anybody else is built like that. You know, no. I, it, it is tough. It's tough to get through an 82-game season, you know, and then you've still got the playoffs to go. So I I can understand, like, needing a break in the middle of an 82-game season. But this wasn't a guy that was tired and couldn't play. Oh, no, this was whatever. a mental exhaustion. It's a mental this thing. Is, this is all a mental thing. Oh, yeah. It, it was nuts to... He's drinking, you know, uh, he's drinking a beer, a Miller Lite, whatever it was, uh, walking out to hop on his motorcycle to drive off at the end of the episode. And, I mean, it, could you imagine that now? Like, could you imagine players parking where fans could actually see them leave the arena? I just, I, <laughs> the whole thing boggles the mind. And I remember this stuff going on, and I remember watching ESPN back however long ago this was, you know, 22 years ago. And it still floors me looking back at how incredibly different the sports landscape was back then as opposed to now. Like, does it do the same for for you? Yeah, there, there's some things. Jordan was just a different kind of guy. Yeah. There are some things that I look back and, like, through watching this documentary, you know, Episode one, we hear about Jordan and Danny Ainge going and playing golf between game one and two of a playoff game, all right? <laughs> and I am just as guilty as everyone else for crushing players today for being BFFs off the field, all right? Like, everyone wants to be friends and everybody wants to hang out, and I remember a day where those guys didn't do it. They wanted to beat one another, and they wanted to kill one another, and, the, you know, it wasn't, that didn't happen. 
Jordan, I think, was the exception. And the reason was is no one else did that. You know, last night, see, and I don't know if it's episode four or episode three because I watch them back to back. Like a normal person, normal person, Gary, we can't separate these things because I don't know where three stops and four stops. That's all good. Just just talk about it and it's fine. But, but like, but anyway, you, you get to everyone else in the world saw it. Um, you, you get to, a, you get to a point where they start com- talking to Isaiah Thomas and talking about the, the bad boy Pistons and how, when the bulls finally got over that hurdle and beat them, they all walked off the court. Nobody shook anybody's hands. And Jordan has hated a, he hated the Pistons to begin with, but never respected Isaiah and those guys forever. Isaiah brings up a pretty good point. A couple of years back, the Celtics were the big bully on the block and the Pistons finally beat them. Larry Bird and every one of the Celtics stormed off the field, never shook a hand, never nothing because they were the bullies. They were the dominant ones for so long. And these new guys just usurped them. And one guy, I think it was Kevin McHale went and found Isaiah shook his hand. That was the only player's hand. He shook high fived him, told him good luck next series. And Celtics fans were pissed. No, they weren't, oh, it's sportsmanship. Why'd you walk off the court? Nothing like that. They were, no, don't shake that guy's hand. That guy just beat your ass. You don't shake his hand now. You know, you can congratulate him later, but this is the playoffs. It's not one of 82, all right? And and Jordan was so upset that the Pistons didn't shake his hands. But, see, he's different because all those years the Pistons beat him and the Bulls, he made sure to shake everybody's hand afterward. Oh, yeah. He was like, it hurt. It hurt hurt to shake their hands it hurt to tell them you know congratulations and and congratulations i didn't want to do that but that's that's how you do it i think jordan was the exception he held everybody else to that standard but looking back in history we we can't shit on the pistons unless we're going to shit on everybody who came before the pistons because that's the way the game was i don't think people were friends and family basketball like they are now I think Danny Ainge said, I've got a chance to go play golf with the best player in the world, and we're probably going to beat the hell out of this team. This is not a threat. And Jordan just wanted to play golf. Yeah, I agree. He wanted to beat them at something because they just lost playing them, you know, in basketball. The the bad boy Pistons story, uh, I was waiting for it to show up. I remember listening to a a Sports Wars uh, Wondery podcast about this, about Jordan against the uh, against the Pistons. And, I mean, it, it lives up to all of the, the old stories. Like, I remember being a kid watching these games and remembering just, like, how bad they were being bullied and pushed around on the court, and there were no calls. Uh, Big Cat from Barstool took, you know, one of the screenshots of Bill Lambeer elbowing Scottie Pippen in the face and the referee just pulled Scotty off the floor and and moved him out of the way so that he wouldn't get stepped on, but never called anything. <laughs> like it, yeah. it blows my mind. Like the it guys, it was just uh, a different game. Yeah, it's it completely just, different. It's a different game. Kids today are now watching. All, all of the LeBron truthers are now watching not just Jordan, but they're seeing something completely different. Oh yeah. Like you and I over over um over in November, back in November, when 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 we celebrate, you know, uh the D Day and, and all that stuff, you know, we talked about how we don't they don't make men like that anymore. Yeah. Like they just 
They just don't. Like, I could never see myself or anyone that I know, even my friends that are in the military, rough, tough guys, they're not that kind of tough. Okay. Yeah. They don't have that. That's a different thing that made people different back then. Not to equate the same thing, but it's it's a little bit the same in the sense of kids today are not just seeing Jordan. They're seeing what Jordan – when we say they don't play basketball the same now, they don't play basketball the same now. Yeah, you're And if you didn't have right. that mental killer instinct that Jordan had, you couldn't have been that tough. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's it wasn't it, about skill. It was a yeah. mental toughness. You had to have the skill. Everybody had to have the skill, but there yeah. was a mental toughness that either made you or broke you. Yes, I agree with that. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about the NFC North, and we're going to do our our, gra- our draft. Um, what's the word? So recap. This is how we're going to break up our the draft. All right, we, our, our, we can't do like a draft recap over all thirty-two teams in one day. It, it would just it wouldn't be fun for y'all. Listen to whatever. So you're interested in what we think of your team, your players, guys, whatever. We're gonna get there, but we're gonna break it up over two weeks. We're gonna do a division a day. Yes, it's the only way I know how to talk about this stuff in a way in which we can spend 15 minutes on it and not an hour on it, and still have an opinion. Yes, I I think it was a genius idea. You were incredibly smart for coming up with this. Um, so we can go ahead and actually. Move. I hate we're starting here, but that's fine. Well, I wanted to do this because the the Jordan Love stuff was so, you know, so fresh, so whatever. Now, we could have talked about any number of big topics that... That's okay. That's probably the best way to start. But we can start here. Tomorrow, I guess, we'll do the AFC North so we can talk about the Ravens. Let's start with the Packers then, since you brought them up. uh, Let's go ahead and talk about the Packers. Uh, I do... I'm so (laughs) confused. What did you think about their draft? I'm trying to figure out how do we equate this. Liked it, loved it, hated it, you know, disliked it kind of thing. Like it's, you know, I disliked uh, their draft. I, because I I disliked their draft. I'll I'll tell you this listening to, um, listening to Mike Lombardi's GM shuffle today, uh, I agree with him 100% because if you go and look around, you get different draft grades from so many different people, and it's just, it's all biased. It's all based on what they think and whatever. So I'll just we'll just tell you whether we like what they did or what whether we don't like it. And it's I think all that's from people that have never made a draft pick a day in their life. Exactly. Exactly. But, but we're going to do the same thing. Okay, we're going to do the same thing when yeah. we get to Detroit. I'm going to give them a grade because I have a philosophy that I think is the right way to build a football team. Yeah. And they did something different than that. So I'm going to be a dislike. It's just. Yeah, it's and we'll, the only and we'll way get I know there in a minute. It. It's the only way I know how to quantify it. So, so if you look at, and there's numerous different sites for you to go to, the one that I trust the most as far as value picks and, and actually figuring out how good these players are, I trust Pro Football Focus for their their player rankings because they actually okay. go through the film work, and I trust the Huddle Report for the same thing. They actually go through and they rank these players. So, the HuddleReport.com does value grades for every team. Out of 32 teams, Green Bay was 28th as far as value picks, right? So Jordan Love, okay, there might have been some value there. They had him ranked 22nd. 
And uh, they traded they up to get him. And they traded up to get him. Now, that's where it gets a little hairy. But they reached for A.J. Dillon in the second round. They reached for another running back in the third round, the kid from uh, Cincinnati, right? Um, no, that's a tight end. Oh, no, tight end. End. Sorry, sorry. Uh, and, and then, you know, the linebacker, Kamal Martin from Minnesota, like, Again, another reach. Like, and and you can talk I didn't about like whatever a single player that they drafted. Let's say, yeah, hang on, I, that's I really a, don't. Like, I, I like Love because I think he's a boomer bust guy. The problem yeah. is, he's not going to see any field time unless Aaron gets hurt. Now, if they know something, here's the problem that we don't, we're not able to adjust. Okay, yeah, they have the medicals on Aaron. They have the medicals that nobody else has. That's all true. Right? And if they think it's not about his caliber of play, but we don't think this guy can play 16, yes, we've got him on this ridiculous contract, but if we don't think he can play 16, we have to find a backup for him. Yeah. We, have to, we have to think about two quarterbacks, and we have to spend draft capital on it. And if that's the case, then I'm out of this draft class. If I couldn't have Burrow and I couldn't have two, I made it abundantly clear. There's only one other quarterback I would have spent a meaningful pick on I would have let everybody else fall, and that was love. And it's only because I, I there is a chance he could be dynamic and really good. But if he's not, it's not going to take me three years to find that out. That's that's a very that's good all point. I want. I, your time is more valuable than anything else. Yes, yes, I I agree with all of that. Their team needs. Uh, based on a lot of these. Not another pick on there I like at all. Here's the thing. They needed wide receiver help. Like, if you look at the stats from last year, they had nearly 700 yards of additional offense dropped passes by that wide receiving core. Now, they added Funches, you know, in the offseason. The most loaded wide receiving draft we may have ever seen, in my opinion. There were 37 wide receivers taken. And and the the top two rounds were just filled Yes, I think potential star power. Yeah, just I've got an opinion about that, so so I could be wrong in three years. But now the other two team needs were offensive line and linebacker. They addressed both of those, but not until they got into the fourth round. Yeah, like I they reaching for AJ Dillon at running back as a wasted pick was just my, now. It that's not to say that he can't be a good player. Doesn't matter. But Aaron Jones came out last year and was phenomenal. I like, was just about to say, you've got a good running back. Finally. And it took a few years to get that. But why why use it on A.J. Dillon, who hasn't really proven that he can catch the ball out of the backfield? You've shown that you need that. That's that's what makes Aaron Jones so good. It, yeah, he, he can well, maybe okay come in. if you want a different kind of running back, okay? If you want a change of pace guy, you but know, even a more still, of a that's. I'm, not, I'm okay with that. My problem is, is you know how I feel about running backs. You, yeah. you find one. Yeah, you, you don't you, have to draft him in the second round. You, you, go the, you go to the playgrounds when they open back up in Chicago and or Detroit or one of these big cities around where you live. And now you, you're probably not going to find them in Green Bay because there's not a lot of playgrounds in Green Bay. But but when you get into a big city, you you find a dude that can tote the rock. Yes. You just can. Yes. C.J. Anderson came off the scrap heap a couple of years ago and he was running in the playoffs over folks. He oh, just just ridiculous, like just unbelievable. I don't know? mean to devalue it, but I just don't value it. I just don't value it. No, it blew my mind just thinking about it. Like, I, oh, so frustrating. Yep. So yeah, so they they addressed yep. offensive line and linebacker in the later rounds. Yeah, obviously their defense was really good last year. 
you know, you, they need Aaron to play better, but I, I do think that he needs more weapons uh, in order to help out because, I mean, 700 dropped yards in a season is is pretty ridiculous, right? So they had, a, they had guys, and you can say it's because it's cold and you can say it's whatever, but my gosh, even even with their undrafted free agent signings, they drafted one wide receiver, and it's a kid from Michigan State that is known for dropping the ball. Like it, it blows my mind just looking at what they did in this draft. Like it, if I were a Packers fan, I would be livid. Now, I'm not a Packers fan, so I kind of find it entertaining. Yeah, but- the only reason why it's not a hate for me is because. It pissed Aaron off, and that gives me some some joy. You got that right. You got that right. All right, what uh, what team do you want to hit on next? You want to do uh, the Vikings? No, let's do them last. Okay, we can do that. Uh, Lions? Yeah, let's go to the Lions. All right. Let's get them out of the way. I really – so this – they had a lot – so what you're going to find in some of these things is if teams had a lot of picks early, then, yes, the quality of player that they drafted – is going to be better than the quality of player other guys drafted that traded back or didn't have early picks or a lot of early picks or whatever. I care about who you took in the spots you took. Yes. I vehemently disagree with the first pick that they had at number three. We've been over that. We went over that Friday. Now, well, let me me jump in on that, Rip, before you start diving into it. The Okuda pick. Taking him at three, yes, that is – insanely high for a cornerback. But in this scheme, even though we, we've come to find out that Patricia didn't really want him, he wanted Derrick Brown, which was the smart pick, um, Okuda does fit in really well with like doesn't his matter. his man-heavy coverage scheme. So, so it Just, may work out okay. But, the fit, it, but that's irrelevant. It's irrelevant of the grade, Gary. It's just irrelevant of the grade. Just because something works out doesn't mean it was the right thing to do. Agree. Many Agreed. things have been wrong that, that, oh shit, man, I can't believe that worked. Like it just, it was still wrong. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. In the second round, they took DeAndre Swift. It, yeah. So in a situation where they already have a pretty good run game and they have a lot of holes to fill, they take another running back. I just found that to be really weird. Um, if They're, they were loaded, the teams that I liked taking running backs were teams that don't have a lot of holes and yeah. they're just trying to get a little bit better. And so running back is an upgrade that they can have. I don't think Swift is an upgrade from carry on Johnson at all. And no. I thought there were running backs better than him left on the board that didn't get drafted at that point. Yep. I, I agree. just, I just found it to be a mistake and you've got two early picks I think you whiff on both. Now, both could be good, productive players for a long time. That's fine. It still doesn't make it right. Now, you still overpaid for for the for position. Both of them. Yeah. Uh, they needed a cornerback. They needed linebacker help. They needed offensive line help. They got the cornerback early. Um, and then they, you know, they, they kind of reached for uh, Jonah Jackson, the offensive lineman out of Ohio State. They kind of reached for Logan Stenberg from Kentucky, but... I mean, it's marginable or marginal. Once you get into the third and fourth rounds, there are no reaches anymore. Yeah. Nobody, no, nobody's th- board is, looks the same. This is just the the value based on on the huddle report. 
Um, yeah, but, but it's their their value. That's, that's based off of how they graded all these guys Correct. too. Correct. Their and biases are built in just like everybody else's. Once you get past the third round, nobody's a reach. Nobody. Yeah, it's just everything's up in the air, and it's just what do you whatever. need? And people can say we took best player available, but really, the the ninth best guard or the twentieth best receiver. How do you grade those two? Hey, who's more don't. valuable? Who's who's the better pick? There's no way to quantify it. Yeah. Football is such a weird sport in that way. So I, I just I think you can't if you like the guy if you think they got a steal somewhere late. That's fine, but but saying they reach for anybody late is is done. It, you you can only really judge them based off of what they did early. Um, they uh, they did get the edge rusher out of Notre Dame uh, in the third round, so you know, I think he could be impactful. I just think what would what would that front seven look like if they had Brown and him coming into this rookie class instead of a DB and him? I just but it's my that's my biases. I believe the proper way to build. Listen, I watched the NFL, and I watched the Super Bowl. In the last couple of years, most of the teams in the Super Bowl have a great front seven. Yeah. I, I just don't know any other way to quantify it. I just don't. Yeah, mo- most of them, yeah, because I, I, don't, know them, that, them. I don't know that the uh, you know the Chiefs did. But no, but the Chiefs they, are built completely got, different, though. Yeah, they've got a they've got. If a you game have changer. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the offensive – they're Big 12 football. Oh, 100%. But yeah. very few teams in the NFL are Big 12 football. Yeah. It's, it, it's what makes them a matchup nightmare for everybody. It's what made the Ravens a matchup nightmare for everybody last year. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's stuff that hadn't really been done in this league maybe ever, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, Lions, I mean, I, I'm going to say that I dislike what they did. I, uh, I disliked what they did as well. I I don't know that it's it they they didn't have the worst draft, no. but I I didn't I didn't like it I didn't like it so we'll uh we'll move on from there let's uh let's talk about the let's talk about the Bears um I don't know what to make of the Bears uh you know they had two second round picks and then they didn't pick again until round five uh they got the cornerback out of Utah and I think that that was a really good uh, pick for them. Tight yeah, end they got real good value there. Yeah, tight end Cole Komet from Notre Dame. I think that was a good pickup. Uh, they've but already got Jimmy Graham. This is the problem. You know, while this guy is probably the best player on the board when they took him, and they got good value for him, and I think he's an athlete. They got like seven tight ends now on the roster right now, currently. Well, they they did drop uh, Trey Burton right before the draft. Yes. So, you know, that, they still, but they no. still had too many. Like, they still and they still currently have too many. That's not a place where they had a hole. It's just weird to me. I, I don't know. I their can't their team needs out. were cornerback, offensive line, and defensive line, and they didn't address either of those until late. Um, the problem is, is that's none of those are their team need. The problem is, is no nobody's willing to put their team need up on the board and say it's a need yeah. because everybody's afraid of offending them. But their team need is quarterback. That's yeah, team. I well, yes, you know, I I think that they feel good about Foles being in there, and they're obviously the GM is wanting uh, Trubisky to work out uh, because they gave up so much. I don't to think get Foles it. or Trubisky are going to work out. I've seen Foles. Foles worked under Frank Wright's offense. Let's see. Carlos Gomez jumps in. He said Bears will cut four or five of the tight ends. They will only keep Graham, Komet, and Harris. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I guess I just, I mean, yeah, but why else would you keep more than three? I mean, okay. Like, I, yeah, obviously they're going to cut need. them. I just, I, like, they've got a ton on the roster. And that, I that's think the dude's weird. a stud. I think the dude's an athlete. You just got a lot of holes to fill. And yes, you got value there, but. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely value. And I think he's, I think he's an upgrade over some of the other ones. It's just really hard to look at this team and judge it for anything other than other than a hole at offense. I can't trust a single offensive player they have, strictly yeah. because I don't trust a trigger man. And, it, and, and I'm I not don't going know, to. I don't know that the offensive line was uh, was you know but they they weren't great last year. No, but how much of it is they're on the field constantly? How much of it is that that not that they're on the field constantly? They're always behind the the the, the sticks. So they're constantly in pass block mode. They never get to run block. They never get to get off the line and hit somebody. They're always playing backwards. The quarterback holds the football too long. Yeah. Like that's, that's really hard on offensive linemen. It's just hard to grade them. Yeah. I mean, Tariq Cohen is the best defense in all the football from top to bottom. And they were ranked like 20th last year. Why? Because they were on the field. All damn day because yeah, the, the offense is three and out, three and out, three and out. Yeah, no, you're right. When you have a bad quarterback, it makes everything else worse. It just does. No, it, it certainly does. It certainly does. I, so that's um, what makes it really hard to, to grade them for me. Everything's I, a black hole. I will say this. Uh, picking up Jalen Johnson, the cornerback out of Utah, where they did, yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought there was a chance that he could have gone first round. Um, I thought so, so too. Yeah, he's, he's got talent. He's, yeah, he's, so I they, like him. He's the best player I like. Well, I mean, I like Cole. I just don't yeah. trust anybody to get in the ball. I mean, he's going to have to be a hell of an athlete if, if Trubisky keeps the job. Yeah. No, you're he right about that. That's a, that. The biggest thing there is, uh, well, Carlos said, yeah, I agree a lot with Chris. The defense is good, good, but bad quarterback play is hurting us big time. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing that needs to change this year. And, and once again, I don't know that, that offensive line's that bad. I don't know how to grade them. I, I guess I agree with you. I, you pass I block, you pass block, you pass block all day long, and and teams just blitz and blitz and blitz. You can't stop it. At some point in time, you can't block that. Yeah, they the guys were, on the other team are really good. They were they were successful the year before that, based on the fact that Trubisky was kind of new. Nobody really knew. Uh, what exactly he like? It, he was tough to scout because it, it was his first start. It was year. one of those weird yeah. rookie things. He had a decent rookie year, and that's kind of what you you just need somebody to be capable, somebody to be competent. I'm not asking somebody to come in there and be Drew Brees. Okay, yeah. I don't. I mean, I think that's the team that if they could go back in time and not make that trade for Foles, they could have Cam Newton for a sandwich right now. Now they're gonna they're locked into Foles for two years, twenty million dollars, twenty five million dollars. The let's uh, do you want to go ahead and move to uh, the Vikings? Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and do that. The Minnesota Vikings had fifteen draft picks in this draft. A little, little strange. The Saints wanted to move up in one round, and they traded the rest of their draft. Yeah. It was. Uh, was it the fifth round or fourth round? I think it was fourth. And it was, and then so the Saints traded. Every pick they had backwards. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, so most of these players will not make the roster. No, 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 no. Uh, the Vikings needed cornerback, wide receiver, and offensive line help. Uh, they got basically <laughs> all of it. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it, you know, they, they needed a wide receiver. They went and got Justin Jefferson. Uh, they also got KJ Osborne out of Miami. 
Yep. They, uh, you know, they they drafted him another quarterback with Nate Stanley late, late, late. Um, yeah, that was a late pick. I don't know that that's it. It's just back up. Yeah, and it's and I mean I don't know that he's going to make the roster, but uh, but you know they got Cam Dantzler, uh cornerback out of Mississippi State, who I think is an absolute stud. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought he was a good pickup. I, I do believe um, they got you know, Ezra Cleveland in the second round, and I thought he was a first round quality offensive lineman. The problem was just too many offensive linemen. This was one of the best offensive line drafts we've had in a long time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They, um, I'll, I'll say this. They got cornerback Jeff Gladney out of TCU. They drafted him in the first round. I, I think that was a little bit of a reach. I mean, maybe they saw more out of him than, I mean, obviously they did, uh, than, than I saw, but I, I mean, I watched multiple TCU games this year. Nothing he did stood out to me. He got burned a lot. And, yeah, if you're watching ESPN, obviously they're going to show you his highlight reel. You know, you can make a highlight reel for basically anybody. Yeah. But he did not impress me at all at TCU. It it was amazing to me to see how many guys got drafted out of TCU. Like, I understand that you especially want defensive guys out of Gary Patterson's system, but I just I didn't understand. So here's what I equate that record to for the last two years, especially turnovers, and none of these players yeah. have anything to do with that. That's true, but it, it's they. No, they still I mean gave up. we're not talking about a little bit of turnovers. Oh, I understand. I understand. Led but the it, NCAA two years in a row in turnovers. And we're talking about fumbles, interceptions, everything. That's yeah. all from the quarterback. You know, quarterback's not getting drafted. The rest of these guys are good. Yeah. You just can't overturn, overcome turnovers. I, I, I thought they didn't get blown out in a lot of these games, Gary. They were no, in a lot. Of these they games. were, yeah, they were in a lot of the them. Other team I just, got two or three extra possessions. That sucks. Yeah, when you get when you get the extra possessions, yeah. If they beat Texas, if they beat Oklahoma, if they beat some of these games where turnovers are the only reason they lost them. We look at this team completely different. That's true. Uh, they did, have, but now I'm a little biased here because I love Gary Patterson. I, I will tell you, a lot more offensive players got drafted than I thought from TCU. I always would trust drafting a defensive player um, from from a from a team with a coach like Gary Patterson because I know the guy is going to come into the league and I'm not going to have to worry about his intelligence. That's, I'm not going to have to worry about teaching him the game of football. In college, you can be a freak athlete, and you could just out-athlete a lot of guys, especially at skill positions, especially at a position like safety and cornerback. Yeah, um, You can just go out there and be an athlete and not have to think they're going to play a man-to-man on somebody or they're going to play a zone and you see the ball, get the ball, and that's just kind of the, the way you've been coached up. There are a few coaches, Gary Patterson is absolutely one of them, where they come out and you know – they're going to know how to read NFL defenses, uh, offenses. They're going to know how to scheme. They're going to know how to prepare mentally for the game. And so if they physically can play, they've got that much of a leg up, and the learning curve is a lot smaller for them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, fourth- I think that's why so many defensive players come from TCU in this draft is, you know, we didn't get to see these guys close. They didn't get one-on-one workouts the way they wanted to. And so – I'm just going with a coach that I trust. I, I know this guy can learn our defensive playbook 
and can learn what we want to do because he's been in a scheme that's complex and complicated already. Yeah, that's a, and that's a very valid point, especially for a Mike Zimmer defense. I mean, 100%. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, because Saban is the same thing. The quality of players is a lot better. Yeah, he's, he's undersized. Know, it, um, it, Carlos Gomez jumps in on YouTube. He said, Gladney's undersized at 5'10". Not sure if they're going to play him in the slider outside. Uh, the other guy on the outside for the Vikings, Mike Hughes, is unproven. So yeah, Hughes yeah. Hughes is second guy. Uh, Vikings second guy. Hughes is is he's good. He's fine. He's he's he would scare me to be my second only guy. Yeah. Um, I I don't know, man. I just I think there are some coaches that they you know the league just trusts them to be smart players. Yeah, and that's and that's what we got here. And let, let's talk about their fourth round, which they murdered. Their fourth round. It was awesome. Uh, yeah. They got DJ Wanham, uh, edge rusher out of South Carolina. They got another edge rusher, James Lynch, out of Baylor, who, honestly, people were talking about him as possibly a, a sleeper first rounder, you know, during the college football season. Now, obviously, These two guys are as athletic out. as anybody else, and oh, they, yeah. they get into a pro system. They're, they're going to be just fine. Oh, yeah. And they also got linebacker Troy Dye out of Oregon, and he was a stud for the Ducks last year. So, yeah. they, I mean, they killed it in their draft. Now, obviously, you get more bites at the apple, uh, you're going to do all right. You know, we, we've talked about that before. It's what the Patriots have always done. Um, yeah. You get more bites at the apple, you get more opportunities. You know, I mean, they, they drafted, let's see, one, two, three edge rushers in this draft. They, uh, they got Ezra Cleveland. They got Cam Dantzler. They got uh, cornerback Harrison Hand out of Temple, who, by the way, they got him in the fifth round. Harrison Hand could be better than Jeff Gladney. Don't I'm just saying it's a possibility because I think the kid's got insane talent. Uh, I mean, they they basically cleaned up in this draft. Uh, and it's easier when you got 15 picks. I get that. In this, yeah, but they didn't have all those picks until the third day. No, and I understand that. But what I'm saying is they already had a lot of picks anyway um because they they had two in the first they had one in the second one in the third and then they had three in the fourth two in the fifth two in the sixth and then four in the seventh so all of that from rounds uh four on like honestly they had most of the fourth round picks already yes yeah, like, right no you're right they everything later got added because of the the Saints trade Saints trade yeah so you know I I thought they killed it early. Like, they no, really I, got value no, they, picks there. Yeah, but no, I thought they did the same thing. So, if we picked a winner of this conference, this division, there's no question it's the Vikings. Oh, it's the it's Vikings. Not close either. Yeah, it's not even close. I would actually struggle picking a loser here because I don't like what any of the other three. The pro, I'm going to take the Bears out. They probably did the second best out of this four teams. I just can't trust any decision they've made because I can't trust their trigger, man. It's just hard to grade them. No, you're right. You're right. The other that. two, I think the dudes for the uh, for the Lions are going to be better pros and be in the league longer, but I don't know that that means they're winners because it's just hard to quantify who should they have taken other than Swift because they have other needs, and then what would that team look like if they plugged those guys in in those situations? Yeah, that's I I, I get where you're coming from. I get where so, you're coming from. Who would you say um, the loser is in this division? I mean, I'm probably going to go Packers. Like, I, I just, I understand, like, I, I didn't really like what the Bears did. I didn't really like what the Lions did. But I think, I think the Packers are probably the answer also. I, I think the Packers. The A.J. Dillon pick is, is 
almost unexcusable. Yeah, that's that's bad. The Jordan Love if thing, that, it's it's if, hit or miss. But you've got a franchise quarterback that has four years left on his deal, and I understand. You know, we can have all the arguments that we want, but if you are really behind your quarterback and you understand that your number one need, based on last season, is wide receiver, and you don't, and, and instead the, I mean, they could have gotten him offensive line help. They could have uh, helped out with the defense. They could have. They could have done any number of things. That's right. And instead, they picked the one position that is going to infuriate their most vocal leader. That is just insane to me. Why you would do that. Like, all you're doing is causing trouble. You know, that's that's what it felt like. So, and we can see what ends up happening with it. My only my only thought is, is they have more information than we do on Rodgers. I mean, that's... that's the I mean, they're the only thing. ones that truly know his medical. And if they don't think he's going to last the four-year contract, then... At some point in time, it is responsible. This is why I like going back three years and five years and seeing who really won the draft and who really lost the draft. Because today we can think these things. But if A.J. Dillon becomes the next Adrian Peterson and Jordan Love somehow gets the job because Rodgers breaks a collarbone or misses a game for a whatever and he becomes Tom Brady and, sorry, you just don't get your job back, then they look like geniuses and we look like fools, that happens more times than not. So yeah. that's it's, it. it's why I like going back. I, I would like once we're done with all of this, if we struggle to find something to talk about, I'd really like to rehash maybe the first or second round of, you know, the draft from three years ago and the draft from five years ago just to see how well, these teams these, really do. Yeah, how did they actually do? Uh, let, me, let me read you what they said about – the Jordan Love pick on Pro Football Focus. This is Seth Galina. He said, uh, what makes this move even more curious is that Rodgers isn't at the end of his contract in Green Bay. He signed a monster four-year extension in August 2018, restructured it as recently as December 2019. He is under that contract until 2023, though there is a potential out in the deal before that. Critically, that massive overlap also means that Love's value is capped as long as Rodgers is ahead of him on the depth chart. When Rodgers and Favre overlapped, it predated the CBA that made the most powerful thing in football a good quarterback on his rookie deal. Even if Jordan Love becomes a great succession plan to Rodgers down the road, the Packers will have burned most, if not all, of the rookie contract that would have made him such a huge advantage. The other issue is that Jordan Love is a massive gamble, even in a vacuum in the first round. PFF had already written that he simply isn't worth the gamble of a first-round pick and that the volatility, uh, volatility and downside to his game is too great to justify chasing his big playability. For Love, it is perhaps the perfect landing spot because he will get multiple seasons to work on his game with zero threat of having to start and lead a team while he does it. For Rodgers and a team that went to a conference championship game mere months ago, it is a total waste of impact in 2020. That's what makes it so insane. So I'm going to disagree with a major part of what they said. They said that he was undrafted in the first round because of his volatility, because of his lack of proven, you know, whatever. He's such a risk. Yeah, and, and I just disagree there. Certain teams can do that and certain teams can't. If you have a lot of holes to fill, then you can't be taking risk with your first pick and you can't be taking those gambles. But but if you're the Saints and you think you've got a short-lived quarterback or you're the Colts and you've got a short-lived quarterback, absolutely, man, let her rip. Yeah. And that's Go it. get a boomer bust guy because if he busts, the rest of your team is really good. This is so the to same say that thing nobody that, should have taken him in the first round is wrong. It, this is no, the same thing that Packers people said about uh, about Patrick Mahomes. 
It's the same thing. Yeah. You can't, yeah. you just can't blanket say that. I vehemently disagree with the Lions in the second round taking Delonte, uh, Dante Swift. Right? Dante Swift, yeah. Yeah. But I love, I loved that the Chiefs took one of the big three running backs with their first pick. Why is that? Because those two teams ain't the same. Yeah. yeah. One team had a undrafted running back that had looked good, but there's nothing elite or, you know, dynamic about Williams, even though he probably should have been the Super Bowl MVP. But, you know, that, that was, that's a great game, and that's awesome. That doesn't mean he's worthy of that position the entire next year. And they went and said, dude, we, we don't have a lot of needs. Let's fill this need with a, you know, with a star. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's how one team can take somebody and another team can take the same somebody. And one I like a lot and the other I hate because they don't all fit. No, you're right about that. This is very much a puzzle. And if pieces don't fit, then it just doesn't work. No, you're, you're dead on. You're dead on. All right. Anything else that we need to hit on uh, today? So we went a little long, but that's all right. We had much to discuss. It's a Monday show. That's the way these things uh, handle sometimes. So I'm going to go finish drinking my tequila faux show. And, uh, and of course, if you would so kindly share the show out, tell your buddies about it if you appreciate uh, what we're doing. We always appreciate your support. Uh, if you will, make sure and join us again tomorrow. We're going to have a good time. I'll guarantee it. We're going to get into the AFC North, I believe. Is that right, Chris? Yep. AFC North tomorrow. Uh, Till then, everybody be kind and be good to each other. We'll see you then. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at GaryWCE, or at Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.